0: Hello friends, and welcome to another episode on History in the Valley. I'm your host, Ben Jenkins. Before we begin, I want to apologize for posting this episode late, as I was having several complications with work and was sick last weekend. Yet as we continue on through this slow month, new episodes will be back on schedule for posting either on Saturdays or Sundays. I'm also working on some small special projects, new content, and additions to this podcast, so stay tuned. I hope that you all had an exciting Super Bowl weekend, and congratulations to the 2021 champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And without further ado, on to this weekend's special episode. It's February, and you know what that means. If you were watching my last two episodes, it's Black History Month. It's here where we learn and acknowledge the many African-American people, like the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. or Frederick Douglass, along with places, sites, or events that have a profound effect to our country's heritage and made history. On this podcast, we will be honoring our local African-American people Heritage and their impact on Southwest Virginia that forever changed and shaped us to who we are today. As I have said in the past, Southwest Virginia has a rich African American heritage along with history that goes back a long way. There's a lot more history about them here than you think, as today's focus will be in the New River Valley, where in a once quiet hamlet, a certain African American school rose to heights that exceeded any other school in the region, even had national recognition. Although it was nearly lost in time, its story is one that tells us of the earliest and first building blocks that formed the African American heritage in the New River and lower Roanoke Valleys. Located in present-day Christiansburg, Virginia, the Christiansburg Industrial Institutes, abbreviated as CII, or simply called the Christiansburg Institute, abbreviated as CI, was a renowned school for African Americans, the first high school in southwest Virginia to educate the formerly enslaved. The institute ran for nearly 100 years, and it closely mirrored the structure of the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. More on that later. Today, many of its alumni work in unison whether to preserve surviving school structures or to gather relics and stories in order to achieve one goal, to restore the once great institute and its place in local history since it had a significant role in not only the town, but also in the Black struggle for emancipation and education in the New River Valley. Its origins can be traced back to the year after the American Civil War, where after years of destruction across the South, the country was in a disorganized state. Therefore, all southern regions were set up as military districts with union generals or officers to oversee reconstruction in their assigned area. Montgomery, like its other neighboring counties, was heavily affected. Train depots and warehouses burned, many homes and stores ransacked, and urban or rural populations nearly decimated. As part of the Reconstruction Plan, the newly established Freedmen's Borough was responsible to help emancipated slaves start a new life. Captain Charles S. Scheffer, a Union officer from Pennsylvania, was assigned to the Virginia Military District 1, and he, along with the Freedmen's Borough, set out to educate former slaves by establishing schools for African Americans chose to settle in the town of Christiansburg and in 1866 he and several black community leaders founded Christiansburg school number one which was later known as Hill School in a one-room cabin rented from a freed woman named Nancy Campbell. Hill School initially started out with 12 students but according to the ArcGIS story maps page created by the Christiansburg Institute Inc. organization it mentioned the quick and rapid growth of the enrollment to Hill School as, quote, Within the year 1866, the school served 88 students of all ages. By 1868, two teachers taught 232 students, including 85 night Scholars, adults who worked during the day, end quote. It has been said that over 200 students, young and old, attended Hill School annually, and Schaefer knew that something needed to be done to accommodate all the students in one permanent place as the school was constantly relocated. In late 1868, Hill School, now made up of two buildings, was roughly located along what would become High Street on a knoll Schaefer called Zion's Hill that overlooked the Cambria train depot. During the 1870s, a Quaker group called the Friends Freedmen's Association, or FFA, stepped in to continue funding the school after the U.S. government closed the Freedmen's Borough in 1872. On top of teaching the basic subjects to students, Hill School started training African-American teachers and later began early agricultural and industrial education starting in 1873. Several years later, in 1885, the local community built two brand-new large brick buildings to serve as a church and a new schoolhouse. The school was again relocated into the new brick building, and Hill School was officially renamed as the Christiansburg Normal Institute, or CNI. Shortly after the transition, the Christiansburg Normal Institute was placed under the leadership of not just Sheffer, but also the First Board of Deacons, a group of local black ministers and church figures in the county. In 1885, the local community built two brand-new large brick buildings that served as a church and a new schoolhouse. The Hill School was again relocated to the new brick building, and the school was officially renamed as the Christiansburg Normal Institute, or CNI as abbreviated. Shortly after the transition, the CNI was placed under the leadership of not just Sheffer, but also the First Board of Deacons, a group of local black ministers and church figures in the Montgomery County. In the years following, the Christiansburg Normal Institute continued to grow despite the effects of segregation that were taking its toll on the Institute and the surrounding area. Because Blacks were excluded from many privileges, like transportation or public services, students that were living in other counties or far away like Floyd or Pulaski were often forced to travel such great lengths either by foot or wagon, and many had to shelter for many days and months away from their families for the sake of education. Other issues involved social tension from the surrounding white population as they either tormented African-American students outside school grounds or threatened them with violence or acts of destruction. These many threats included threats to Sheffer and his staff. Around this time, several lynchings were happening all across Southwest Virginia, and many of the students and staff feared that such events could come to Christiansburg at any time. Major change occurred in the 1890s up to the early 1900s as a certain celebrated and renowned black leader of both national and local significance came to Christiansburg, Virginia. It was none other than Booker T. Washington, a former slave from Franklin County, now a prominent educator and founder of the Tuskegee Institute. In 1895, the FFA had asked for Booker T. Washington to restructure the Institute to model his own, stating, quote, We sincerely wish we could see a Hampton or Tuskegee school in Christiansburg with all the interest and enthusiasm as the other, end quote. Despite the many offers for accommodations and benefits, Booker T. Washington only settled to be the supervisor of the Institute since he couldn't leave the Tuskegee Institute behind. Around the time of Washington's first changes to the school system, Charles Sheffer stepped down as the head of the institute and left it in the hands of the African American staff as he went to pursue a life of ministry and religion up until his death in 1899 in Germantown, Pennsylvania. Booker T. Washington, while overlooking the changes in curriculums and expansion of the school. Altered the name of Christiansburg Normal Institute to the Christiansburg Industrial Institute, or CII, also simply referred to as the Christiansburg Institute, CI, a name that will be remembered for the many decades to come. Additionally, he visited the Institute several times, including in 1909, when he addressed to 5,000 mixed black and white residents of Christiansburg regarding the future of the student body and African Americans in Southwest Virginia. Booker T. Washington continued to supervise from Tuskegee until his passing in 1915 leaving the legacy of having brought classical education and practical instruction in an uh, industry and in the trades under one roof like his own Institute. Another noted figure worth noting that in fact taught at the Christiansburg Industrial Institute for a time was a certain Tuskegee graduate named George Washington Carver. In 1896, one year after his appointment as supervisor, and 19 years prior to his passing, Booker T. Washington convinced the school and staff to move the center of campus to an 85-acre farm that was purchased by the FFA. This was to not only expand the campus size, but to accommodate more room for students and more space to teach agriculture along with industries like the Tuskegee Institute. This space was two miles away from the old Hill campus and was formerly the Latimer Plantation, a slave farmstead that included a barn, several slave cabins, and the owner's house. The plantation that was forever haunted with echoes of slavery was now changed into becoming the new home to a growing black institute. While male students resided in the old slave cabins until the Morris Hall dormitory was built in 1903, the quote, mansion house, as it was called, served as a classroom building and teacher residency. A Christiansburg Industrial Institute alumni stated the irony of this 1896 campus relocation in the following statement while addressing to the 1906 graduating class. It quotes, A plantation upon which men and women were driven to unrequited toil by the stern command of a task. Master had been converted into a model training farm. The slave mansion, once the headquarters of master and owner of human beings, "...has become the seat of instruction, where the posterity of the victims of servitude are being fitted for Christian citizenship." There was an initial setback with the relocation, as both the increase of industrial importance and the idea of education on a former enslaved farm was frowned upon by many people. Furthermore, this caused enrollment to drop to below 100 students. Yet, once Charles Marshall and his staff regained popular public opinion after tirelessly revamping the farm into an actual campus, the Christiansburg Industrial Institute grew once more. Charles Marshall, if you were wondering, was the Tuskegee Institute's top graduate at the time, whom Booker T. Washington had recommended to serve as the first official black principal after Shefford stepped down. Marshall was the best candidate to be principal as he mirrored Booker T. Washington's visions of African American progress through education, learning useful trades, and economic philosophy. His first four additions to the Institute's curriculum since his appointment in 1896 included cooking, sewing, carpentry, and advanced farming. He later added wheel riding, blacksmithing, in printing over the later years. Also during his time, the school's first published newsletter, The Helper, started in 1898. This was the precursor of the CII Echo, printed from 1910s to the 20s, and later on, the Echo. Edgar A. Long succeeded as principal after Marshall's passing in 1906, to which he continued to oversee the growth of the Christenberg Industrial Institute and enrollment till his own death in 1924. In 1927, a few years later, a new academic building was built to which it was named in honor of Edgar A. Long. This building served as the new center of campus for many years up until the 1960s. Throughout the 1930s and 1940s, the Christiansburg Industrial Institute was in its peak years, as more activities and events occurred. In 1932, the students of Christiansburg Industrial Institute officially started writing, its, writing and printing its own continual school newsletter, The Echo, previously called the CIA Echo, from its own print shop. Another addition to the growing curriculum included athletics since its first debut in the late 1920s, with such activities including football, baseball, and gymnastics. Other activities included marching band and choir, to name a few. The Christiansburg Industrial Institute's creditorials, by this point, made the school one of the nation's few premier African-American schools, and the premier black school in Virginia by far. As mentioned in one source, the campus by now, quote, functioned as a teacher educational facility as well as a training school and became a creditorial secondary school recognized by both the State Board of Education and the Southern Association of Colleges and Secondary Schools, End quote. By the 1940s, the Christiansburg Industrial Institute had grown to a campus size. Of 185 acres with 14 buildings still serving 15 neighboring counties to students that wanted education past primary or elementary school since the early 1900s. The Christiansburg Industrial Institute still faced with the existing issue of students having to travel many miles to the Institute due to the segregated and or limited transportation. Some solutions were provided thanks to the efforts of Percy Corbin, a local physician and president of the Calfee Training Schools Improvement League, who he had petitioned through editorials and in talks with the board for improvements to black schools throughout Southwest Virginia, which included equal pay for black teachers and a new Pulaski Elementary School that had previously burned down. Corbin was only successful in receiving funding toward a new elementary school in the area and providing bus services to transport black students to Christiansburg Industrial Institute within 25 miles. All the while, more changes occurred as the CII had again changed hands. In 1934, the Montgomery School Board began its management of the school, Affecting the curriculum to be altered to match other nearby schools and colleges. In 1947, the Friends Freeman's Association deeded the school to the Montgomery County, Radford, and Pulaski County School Board systems, and the system soon converted to a regional high school for African Americans. All the meanwhile, the Old Hill School that had acted as the black elementary school ever since 1896 when the CII moved out was closed in 1953 by the Montgomery County Public Schools when complaints arose about the school not being, quote, equal to the white elementary schools. This issue led to the local government to open a new black elementary school, Friends Elementary. Since then, Friends Elementary continued to function as a segregated school until the Supreme Court decision, Brown v. Board of Education, caused the school to be permanently closed. Today, the Friends Elementary School building houses the Montgomery County Public Schools Technology Center, while the old Hillskill building on High Street functions as a Christiansburg Community Center. Within the 1960s, many segregated schools throughout the state and in southwest Virginia were closing, as integration slowly spread across the region after the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was signed. In 1966, the Christiansburg Industrial Institute, after nearly 100 years of operation, closed its doors permanently. After closing, the public school boards that owned the institute had chosen to abandon it after a unanimous vote. The Christiansburg Institute, with its 185-acre campus, was auctioned off and sold in pieces, with its land redeveloped and the buildings torn down. The only surviving structure of the original 14 buildings on the CII campus was the 1927 Edgar A. Long Building, which sat vacant for decades. What was once the first and most premier Virginia black school with a nationwide history, the institute was quick to becoming forgotten, due to modern progression and urban growth. Not all is lost though, as in recent years, several organizations joined in a partnership to save the Christiansburg Industrial Institute's fading legacy. These groups included the Christiansburg Institute Alumni Association, the Old Hill School, and the Christiansburg Institute Incorporated. All these groups worked together in order to piece together what remains of the Christiansburg Industrial Institute and its history through different methods. For instance, the Christiansburg Institute Incorporated developed a self-guided driving tour that explores the history of African-American life in Christiansburg, which includes the school itself. They even went as far as to have resurrected the student brand newsletter, the Echo, to become the organization's own. The newsletter in the past was a way to express the works of the Institute and topics tied to African Americans. And in turn, the organization uses the newsletter to promote their mission, which is, from their website, quote, to promote the Christiansburg Institute, its 100-year history as premier African American high school, our grassroots-driven nonprofit work today in Southwest Virginia, and. The relevant culture and social topics across the Appalachian South related to African-American history, life, and education." Quote. Meanwhile, the Alumni Association continues to gather what information they can find about the Institute and student life on campus through the ages. Some types of information gathering included relics like school trophies, photographs, or student personal possessions, oral and or written accounts from CII graduates and other archaeological findings on the old campus grounds. They operate a small museum not too far away from the Edgar A. Long building in a replica smokehouse that was built in 1988 to mimic the school's own. It houses some of the association's artifacts. The montgomery museum of art and history also has an exhibit with more of the christiansburg institute's artifacts and displays ever since the old hill school was listed on both the virginia landmark register and the national register of historic places in 1978 and 79 the old hill school board works tirelessly to restore the building that currently houses to the christiansburg community center and to also raise awareness of the building and black history through library programs and a complete documentary with oral counts and public records dating back to the mid-1800s. The Sheffer Memorial Baptist Church, the other 1885 building, and the owner of the Hill School, is a large benefactor and the co-leader to the Hill School Board's effort. Of all the efforts made to save the Christiansburg Institute, the largest obstacle is the restoration of the 1927 Edgar A. Long building. Currently, it's a work in progress as the building has received a new roof in Phase 1, now trying to raise funds and increase support to renovate the building for Phase 2 to be repurposed in better serving the community and the town of Christiansburg to once again see the light of day. Like many landmarks and sites around southwest Virginia, more than half are either glanced over as people drive past, or not even notice that they even exist. The Christiansburg Institute is one of those unfortunate souls. Yet through the many programs, operations, and even a news broadcast, the organizations are working hard to bring the Christiansburg Industrial Institute back into the forefront of society, or into the light as I like to think of it. A building and site that was both of national and local significance should be treated with the utmost care and respect. So do so by joining one of the organizations, visit the museum, or donate your time and money to protect this little yet significant piece of U.S. and Virginia history as it will one day serve the community and become remembered for many decades to come. This episode was put together with research from many sources and references, including the Discover History and Heritage magazine series, the Montgomery Museum of Art and History, Virginia Center for Civil War Studies, the Roanoke Times, ArcGIS Story Maps, the Christiansburg Institute Incorporated, the Christiansburg Institute Alumni Association, Old Hill School Board and Community Center, Society of Architectural Historians, Archipedia, The History Channel, and finally, WDBJ7. Please support them by visiting their website, social media, or location to learn more about the Christiansburg Industrial Institute and more. Thank you for listening to another episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. With every new episode made and posted, I ask that you spread the word around about this podcast. Invite family and friends to listen in too. This in turn helps provide podcast performance feedback on Anchor, my online recording studio. Don't forget to find me on Spotify or Google Podcasts by searching History in the Valley. Save it to your playlist and enable notifications so that you don't miss out on the latest episodes. My email, benthehistorian1 at gmail.com, is open if you wish to send me any questions, episode commentary, or feedback that will help improve this podcast. I'm Ben Jenkins, and until the next episode, where there's history, there's a story to be told. Have a good week, everyone.